Well, good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians today. Um, Our pastor is feeling a little under the weather today, dealing with some vertigo. And so today I have the opportunity to preach to you. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity as well, and we started a series called Invest. And what it is, is looking at your life, the fact that God has given you salvation. And um, like many of us, when I entered into salvation, I I, um, didn't know much about the faith. I I knew that I did not want to go to hell, and uh, uh, trusting in Christ was going to seal my eternity. And I knew that he was going to change my life, but I really didn't know the importance of investing and sharing and communicating the gospel with other people. And what we do as we grow in our faith and as we are discipled in our faith, we understand that God's primary reason for saving us is the, for the purpose of reflecting his son through our life. Matthew 5, 16, I've shared that verse with you. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And so today as we talk, I, I want to ask you this personal question. The person sitting in your seat, are you discipling people? When Jesus was leaving this earth, he told his disciples in Matthew 28, he says, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That God's primary goal for your life is not only to live and enjoy the fact that you are saved, but he has given you the opportunity to be a disciple maker. And so today in in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2, Paul is, is encouraging. Again, Paul, you look at the life of Paul, totally transformed by the gospel. Um, the fact that he was a persecutor of the church, uh, very committed to his faith. He gets saved. He changes. The Lord changes his name. But then he goes to the Gentiles and he establishes these churches. And he goes and makes these disciples. And in this passage, he uses two primary illustrations, a mother and a father. And the the thought is spiritually nurturing the people that you're around. For point of illustration, I I would share with you a couple of weeks ago, about a month now, um, Tracy, my family, and I, we went on a mountain trip. So um, it was my my immediate family. Um, So there was probably like, I, I guess, around 20 of us. And a part of one afternoon, we went on a rafting trip. And I want you to know there was probably like four adults, and it seemed like 130 kids on this rafting trip. And so this, uh, this river is right behind my, my uncle's house. And all, I noticed all of the adults that weren't participating on this rafting trip, they were joyful and smiling and standing up on the balcony and cheering us on. And we enter into this, uh, this river and there are just these tubes. And there were two kayaks. And uh, I foolishly hopped in one of the kayaks. And what happens is when you're going down this river, they're, they're like where we entered into it, nice and slow, even pace. And we thought, man, this is going to be enjoyable. And I thought in my heart, this is going to be a fun time. And then all of a sudden, once you turn a bend or two, you notice there are rapids. And you put kids that are eight, you know, six, seven, ten years old, and a bunch of little tubes floating down a river, you are one of the only ones that have a kayak. The other kayaker is like 13 and uh, useless in the purpose of saving and rescuing people. 
But uh, in illustration of discipleship, I understood that I was the one that had the ability to maneuver around to, to rescue folks. And, and in the process, I was dragging a couple of kids behind me, holding on to my kayak. And if you've ever taken on a rapid in a kayak with someone holding on to you, let me just say it doesn't end well for you. Uh, I had a phone bag in one hand. The kayak was about to flip over. It did flip over. I'm telling the kids, let go, you know, we're all going to die. And uh, at one point, I'm under the water with a kayak on top of my head, the bag phone up in the air like this and thinking, Lord, I think I'm ready to go now anyway. And what I'll tell you is this, when you commit to discipleship, there are going to be times that you feel like, man, this is going perfect. And then there are going to be times when you are investing spiritually in someone else's life and, and you hit that river and your kayak flips over and you think, man, why am I continuing? What I'm telling you today is, is if, if you have breath in your lungs, that God is calling you to spiritually invest in other people. Here in John 12, he says this, Jesus does, he says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only one seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. If you have a pen, I want you to, to ask this question. Are you dying daily to self so others may live? Are you dying daily to self so that others may live? The, the goal for that kayak trip was very quickly not Garrett's enjoyment, but the enjoyment of the people around them. And that is ultimately the, the goal for your life, that if we are fully centered in joy, when we are anchored in who Christ is and his purpose in life, we're going to enjoy the process. But the goal for your life should not be self-centered, it should be other-centered. Now in a, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, let's look what he says. Paul here, he says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. Just underline that, that portion, if you will, at least in your mind, that Paul had a purpose and why and what he was doing. Um, in the morning time, wake up and know that God has given you breath in the lungs for a purpose and for a reason. Here he's saying, you, you understand, you know that this was not in vain or coming to you. But through, though we had already suffered many shameful treatments in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel in the midst of much affliction. Very first point is this, if we're gonna be spiritually nurturing others, it takes a life that is surrendered to God's mission being accomplished. In your life right now, are you fully invested in that? Are you desiring God's mission and goal for your life to be accomplished through you? His power being manifest through your life, His mission being accomplished through you? Are you allowing him to do that in and through your life? Can people see your fruitfulness? You think about what Paul just communicating. He says, you know that our coming to you was not in vain. When people look externally and you claim to be a Christian, do they not only see the characteristics in your life, but the investment in other people? Um, I think about my two kids down here. Um, people, when they're around us, they understand that Tracy and I are parents because they see the kids that we are investing in. Do people do that in your life in a spiritual way, in context? 
Look what he continues in verse 4. He says, but just as we have been approved by God, I think about this, it is his grace that he has approved. He has saved and rescued you and entrusted you with the gospel so that we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our heart. Point number two is this, that it takes a life that is spiritually healthy. Notice I said spiritually healthy and not spiritually perfect. Um, I don't know if you've ever, ever flown on a plane, but if you have, you've um, listened to the airplane uh, stewardess, and they communicate that um, at some point, if this plane loses altitude, what's going to happen? An oxygen mask is going to fall from the ceiling. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a plane where you hit turbulence before and you thought, oh my goodness, it's about to happen. Um, but what she communicates is this, if you have small kids, place the mask on yourself before you place the mask on them. And before kids, you understand like, okay, yeah, that, that seems reasonable. But once you have kids, you understand that that is the most illogical thing that a parent would do when they have a child. And I'm sure if the kids saw you actually do that, they would be like, what are you doing? You know, save me. Here in the mindset of your spiritual investment, that if God's going to use you and you're going to be a disciple of his, you need to be walking and growing in the faith. Now, as soon as you step into a relationship with God, God gives you everything that you need to be his witness and to disciple and encourage other people because you, are, you have been enlightened, you have been shown the way. But is, are you currently growing and maturing in the faith? So now he turns and he uses the first illustration as a mother. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother, taking care of her own children. Verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you. Point number one, this point of illustration with a, a mother is be motivated by love and desire the very best. Have you ever seen a mom and just the care that they have for their children? Maybe off in a distance and you see them um, you know, cuddling their child or um, their uh, child is injured and they run up to them and, and you just see the, the love and the affection that is taking place in that, that mother's heart and it is being projected towards that child. The question is this, in your life, and I know guys, like this is a tough message because if you are a believer in Christ and all your life has been centered around is improving your life with your relationship with God, your prayers are centered around your, your benefit, your good, or, or your immediate family's good, and you're hearing this message and you understand that God has saved you not to just care about yourself and not care about just your kids, but to care about the lost world around us. And this is a very difficult message because you're being shaken outside of yourself. And God is saying to you very loudly today, my goal is for my glorification through your life and care about other people. You think about Paul, again, he left his nation. He left his people group. He left people that he had commonality with and he went into these lost environments for the purpose of the gospel and for the rescuing of their soul. And so for us today, when he's saying this, the very first point in being like a mother is be motivated by love and desire their very best. 
You know, you think about when you think, think about your own kids or you think about the people that you pour into you, what is your longing for them? I, I struggle with this. I look at my kids and think, man, I, I want them to be successful. I want them to be intelligent. I want them to be athletic. I want them to be funny. But the, the truth is this. The greatest thing that you should desire for anyone is that they be godly, that they would pursue God, that they would be totally surrendered to his will, that his mission be accomplished through their life. Affectionately desirous of them. And that would be the thing that I would really underline in your own heart. What are you desiring for the people that you're around? Point number two is this, with a spiritually nurturing heart as a mother. Look what he says in verse eight, continuing. We were ready to share what or share with you not only the gospel of God, but also ourselves, because you have become very dear to us. I don't know about your home, but the most sacrificial personality and person in our home is my wife. Um, she will go without so that others will have. Um, no better illustration may be around mealtime, um, and maybe that's true in your own home. Um, everybody's sitting at the dinner table, and if you've ever watched the Christmas story, um, you saw that play out in that movie, but mom is up, and she's gathering all the supplies, and then as soon as she sits down to eat, and she puts the fork in the food and bringing it up to her face, then someone says, where's the ketchup? And then she's off and gathering up the ketchup or whatever the other thing is, and then she, again, is doing the same thing, and somebody's drink is running low, and so she's off and gathering the drink. And what you see in your life in point number two is live sacrificially to meet the needs of others. In your life right now, is it your, your goal, again, to gather supplies for yourself? And when, when life is going good and there is an abundance, it's easy for us to, to see and be aware of the needs around us and, and share those needs and supplies with other people. But in the midst of current life and our national state, are you focused in on ministering and meeting the needs of other people, or are you gathering for yourself? And what we do is not only a, an example of who we are, but it's a witness to others. Look what he continues to say in verse 9. He says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any one of you. Point number three, again, is this, being known to work hard, not to burden those that you care for. Be known to work hard, not to burden those that you care for. And I wrote this question along with it. Are people nourished by you or depleted by you? When you're around them, are they spiritually nourished? When they, they've been in your presence, do, do they, are they encouraged to grow and continue to faith? Um, one of the greatest personalities that, that I know this characteristic flows through is um, a guy named Stephen Kendrick. You might not know him, just plain. Um, I went to Honduras. No, I did not. I went to uh, Uganda with, uh, <laughs> with Stephen. And uh, every place that he went, every moment of the day, it seemed like it was a teaching moment, an encouraging moment with him. And he could see something simple as a flower and turn that into an illustration and then that into a lesson. But the thing is, you cannot be around him without being nourished. 
And the question is for you, is that true of you? And I'm not telling you that there can't be times to where you need someone, because we all do, need someone to come alongside of us, to encourage us in the faith, pour into our lives. But is it your legacy, your life destination? Is it your witness that when people are around you, they're encouraged in the faith? Number four is this. Look what he says, continuing in verse 9. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God, you are witnesses that God also, how holy, righteous, and blameless our conduct towards you, you believers. Point number two is take advantage of the daily moments to teach and instruct. You think about as a parent, um, and especially as mothers, it seems like they maximize those daily moments to pour into other people's lives. But again, in the mindset of discipleship, that's what God has done. If you look and follow the life of Jesus, you see that played out uh, continually where he is taking those moments of illustration, a fig tree, um, looking at the ground, um, seeing people in need, and he uses those things in order to instruct and disciple his followers. Now we move to nurturing like a father. Here, look what he says in verse 11. He says, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each of you. Um, now that word exhort is um, to caution, to incite, and I love this part, to stimulate, to exertion. Um, I don't know if you ever had, if you had that type of, of father in your life um, to where hopefully he spoke more words into you than just uh, the one of exhortation. Um, but when my dad said something, I understood it was time to do whatever he was asking to do. So if he said, hey, it's time to wake up, I might have been sleeping with mom, said it a couple of times, but when dad said it, it was time to, to wake up. When he said, come here, it was not time to just sit there and twiddle to your thumbs, it was time to get up and get moving. And so here, Paul is saying, like a father, we are called to do that with people. Um, some of your personalities in this room, you, you might be um, that prophet personality to where you are like, I sign up for that. I don't mind exerting people, exhorting people, and uh, motivating them to stimulus. But a lot of times, we as Christians, we, we love to encourage the people, but we see them walking to the doorway of destruction, and times we mute that voice. And the most detrimental thing that we can do is stop saying the thing that they need to hear in the moment before they hit disaster. So my question for you today is this, are you willing to exhort people? Are you willing to exhort them and how they think and how they live? So that's point number one, exhort them on how they think and how they live. Point number two, look what he says, continuing, he says, encourage you. You, you think about as a, as a father, point number two would be encourage them on how they are or who they are in Christ and is working through them. You know, you think about your dad, the, the most important thing, fathers in this room, that you can do is encourage your kids. Exhort them in times that they need it, but you need to be the loudest voice in their life, encouraging them and cheering them along the way. Um, I think all of us long for someone to come around us and say, man, you're doing a great job. Um, you think back if you're older in here, the, the voices of encouragement that were spoken to you. I remember my dad at times saying like, Garrett, you did a great job at this thing. 
and I am 20 years removed away from that, and it anchors in my heart and soul. So I want you to write this down. The loudest voice in your life and their life should not be criticism but encouragement. In your life, when you're investing in other people, the loudest voice in their life should not be your criticism but your encouragement in them. Hey, continue the fight. Continue to run the race. Continue to go. Yes, there is a season of criticism or a season of correction, but it should not be what they think about when they think about you. Number two is this, or number three is this. Look what he says, continuing, he says, and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who called you into his own kingdom and glory. When you think about that word charge, um, it is one of speaking into. So point number three is this, speak into who they are and who they are to become. In your life, the, the greatest personalities that um, you had anchored into are people that poured into your identity. Um, I look back on people that were either my parents or people that were spiritual mothers and fathers in my life that came alongside of me, that spoke into my identity. And that's what Paul was focusing in on, that we are called to do that. Today, in your heart and life, again, I understand if you have walked through your Christian journey at this point and your eyes have not been centralized on the people around you, man, maybe today this is a message that is painful to your heart because you think, man, I've been a Christian for two years, 20 years, 40 years, and I can't look and see people that I've actually poured my spiritual life into then the goal for today is not one of discouragement. It should be one of calling us out as a church to do this very thing. Because the greatest way that the people in this community is going to be discipled and lives are going to be transformed is not what takes place here in this place on Sunday morning. It is what takes place in your life the other six days of the week. And my goal and my prayer for us as a people is that we would be busy about kingdom work and that we would take our eyes off of the, the wind and the waves at times and we would put our eyes on the heavenly father and receive gladly this call and responsibility of the gospel and that we would look around us at the hurting people and we understand that God has given us this awesome gift and has given us this charge to go invest in their life. Look what he continues to say here, and then this is the goal for all of this, this motherly nurturing, this fatherly nurturing in verse 13, and we also thank God consistently for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not only for words of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. How awesome is it when you see someone receive something and then it totally changes and transforms who they are? I'm telling you, the greatest thing that, that takes place in the life of a believer is you receive salvation and then you share the good news of salvation with someone and you see their life transformed. 
A couple of years ago, um, one of the, the testimonies and witnesses when, when um, I started doing college ministry, ECM ministry, there was a Sunday night. We had two girls come in after a Sunday night, and, uh, and both of them came up to, to me at the end and said, hey, I'd like to be baptized. And I, I asked them, well, do you understand what the purpose is in baptism? And they really didn't, and, and both of those girls got saved. One of those girls, man, her life was totally transformed by the gospel. Like it was, it was literally from light to darkness. And she is continuing in the faith. And that is those times in your life when you see that play out and hear in the words of Paul that they receive this word not as words of men, but word of God. And it has taken root in their life. Look what he says in verse 14. For you, brothers, become imitators of the church of God and the Christ Jesus that are in Judea. You think about this. All around the world, there are people that claim Christ. And their lives look very similar to the believers in Albany, Georgia. Because it is God who is changing and transforming them. God has given us this trust, this responsibility. The question if, if today is this, and two questions. Are you currently engaged in the Great Commission? Are you, as a believer in Christ, currently engaged with the Great Commission? Again, if God said that when you accept me as Lord and Savior, you are going to be transformed as a witness and transformed as a disciple maker, He's saying that's what's going to happen because it's my spirit that will move you to do so. One of the questions would be, can you truly be a follower of Christ and not follow his plan for your life? The second question is this. Who are you spiritually nurturing right now? Who in your life are you spiritually nurturing right now? As parents, your greatest responsibility right now are the people that are underneath your roof. Are you spiritually nurturing them? Are you spiritually pouring into our lives? Are you pointing them to the Savior? And then for the rest of us, are you looking around the people that you invest in, maybe that you work with, the people in your community, the people in your neighborhood? Do you care about them spiritually? Are you spiritually nurturing them? The greatest example of this is today. Today we have the opportunity to um, enjoy the Lord's Supper. We are going to give these things out to you, and in a moment I'll share with you um, how we're doing that. But these are going to be items that you take home and you do the Lord's Supper alone. I, I want to read this passage of Scripture to you because, again, it's the example behind it of the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. God's number one example of why we should nurture other people is John three sixteen, That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Here Jesus says, or Luke says about Jesus, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them and he says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you. 
Understand this, believers in this room, everything that we have spiritually is a direct correlation between the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that he came to this world, he died on the cross for our sins so that we may have victory over death, hell, and the grave and have new life. The goal of today is you and I living out that new life in him. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today and you have heard this message. I I want you to know that the life of Paul, the purpose of why he went to these other environments, these foreign nations to him, was for the purpose of communicating the gospel. Maybe you're here today, you're watching online, and you understand that you are in a broken situation. Maybe in your life you you can see, even like the Samaritan woman, that you have run to all kinds of things to satisfy your need. But at the end of the day, all of those things have left you unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and broken. I want you to know that you don't have to stay in that condition. Scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And maybe that's not your testimony. Maybe you have been religious. You have come to church. You have committed yourself in a lot of religious ways. But if the motivating thing of that is not Jesus, then you're as lost as anyone else. So if you're here today or you're listening today and you've not trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let today be the day that you surrender fully who you are to the loving God that has provided his son for you. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in his heart, in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be rescued. And you can have new life. If you're here today and you're a believer, and maybe today's message was hard on your heart because when you think about who you're discipling right now, who you're pouring yourself out into right now. Maybe there's no one that comes to mind. Let today be the voice of God in your life coming alongside of you and his voice saying, I have a mission for you. I have a purpose for your existence. I have a call. I've entrusted you with the gospel. Go be the bearer of good news. Point people in the right direction. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for the grace of today that you did not leave us here abandoned and just hopes for eternity. God, you have given us new life to enjoy and a mission to fulfill. So, Father, we love you. 
And we pray all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.